My name is Joanna Scanlon, and I've been talking to the RNLI as part of their 200 Voices collection. We didn't ever go abroad when we were kids for holidays. My grandparents had a house on Anglesey and we spent all our summer holidays uh, with my grandparents. Um, they were very keen on boating. They had a couple of boats themselves, but we used to go down to Triata Bay and look at the RNLI boat coming out of the station with great excitement. And we watched many rescues take place with a combination of the RNLI, the air rescue and a lot of other Coast Guard activities because there was always something very dramatic happening at sea. I guess these days you'd learn to swim in a swimming pool, but then it was we were in the we were in the sea. And I was always informed by grown-ups around me that you know you had to be very careful about swimming in the sea. I found that as I got older, my bravery got bigger. I was prepared to take more risk, but at the same time my knowledge about how to avoid real problems grew. And I think that is down to the RNLI kind of um, communication. So around those stations and talking to those lifeguards on the beach, they will give you advice. They will say, don't, no, don't, don't go out in that, that kind of day when the, with an offshore wind or with a, whatever it might be. Do go out in this place. That bit of the beach is okay. That bit of the beach isn't okay. And um, I think that it's that communication, the ability to have, you know, I just love chatting to, uh, when, you, when you go to any of the stations and just have a chat with local um, volunteers, they know the water and they can advise you. I think the local knowledge is the most important thing when you're doing any kind of sea activity whatsoever, whether it's boating, stand-up paddle boarding, swimming, you just need that local knowledge because no bit of water is easy for me to read. I can't read it, but other people can, and I need their help. So I was born in West Kirby, and there's a fantastic lifeboat station in Hoylake, and a little one at West Kirby as well. Now, they often have to go out across the sands to Hilborough Island and the, the whole area around there because people get stuck in the sands and the mud. Um, and actually I made a TV show about that. Puppy Love is a series that's set in, in and around West Kirby um, and, the, and the Wirral, um, Hoylake and uh, Heswell and places like that. And it's about a dog trainer who lives on the top of the hill and uh, a number of rather sort of smarter people who live down in the town. And the Wirral is sort of known to be a bit posh <laughs> in its way. Um, but it's an extraordinary place because you're surrounded by this very shallow uh, water which with tides that just come in and out extremely quickly and constantly changing mud, I guess you call them sandbanks and mud pools that are underneath the water that should never really be um, predicted upon. You know, you just don't know what's going to be happening out there. So the characters in our story um, end up in a situation where they have to get rescued by the RNLI. And um, my character that I played in Nana V, she's a bit, um, she's a bit on the fly. She tends to be, lives in, a, lives in a caravan, doesn't have any money, and she's trying to sort of scam people really for a bit of cash. But 
the story in our episode about the RNLI, which was with the Hoylake um, team, was really about how in the end she just thinks this money that I've scammed, I need to give to the RNLI actually, because they did the right thing um, and I didn't. Yeah, it's an interesting um, question as to why I felt compelled along with Vicky Pepperdine, who also was born um, or has family on the Wirral. We were both, I think we both felt when we were writing the stories that it was really important to write a story about the RNLI and what they do for a community. Because it, although it's really only when you need them that you're aware of exactly how many people are involved and how, what an everyday activity it is, um, people are going into those stations, volunteers are going into those stations, you know, every day of the week to keep it going. Um, whereas you might, there might not be a shout, you know, every day of the week. It might be more like once every week or two weeks or whatever. In the summer, obviously, a lot more. So I think we both felt compelled to write about what part the RNLI play in our community, particularly if you live near water and the sea, particularly in the, in the British Isles, because... It's invisible until it's visible. And that was something that we wanted to, to talk about. And also to talk about donating. We wanted to uh, write a story where somebody started off being a little bit complacent and a little bit sort of um, bit all about me-ish and then came around to seeing that it was actually very important to be selfless and to make a donation ultimately to the RNLI instead of pocketing that particular bit of money and just taking it home for yourself. One of the reasons that we were writing our story was because I think people make assumptions about the RNLI, the RNLI being a bit like the police or the ambulance service or something that's all already paid for by the government. That it's somehow, it's obviously, you know, if you need it, then obviously the government would pay for it. That's not the case. The RNLI is a voluntary organisation and it needs funds from ordinary members of the public um, as well as the bravery and activities of people who actually volunteer on the, on the boats. So we wanted to tell a story where that became very evident that, oh, hang on, there isn't anybody to help me unless I contribute to the source. Um, and... So learning about how important the RNLI is to a seaside community and then learning about how we all have a responsibility really to, to try to keep that organisation in tip-top condition because without it we're all really going to be in big trouble. The RNLI has had an impact on my life because it has enabled me to get out into the water with some certainty that firstly, I can take advice prior to going, but secondly, if something did go wrong, there is somebody there to help me. Um, and that is, that's enabled me to be much, much braver. I mean, I have done a huge amount of swimming in around the British Isles, um, Scotland, the Hebrides, Scilly Isles, lots of other places, big, long swims. Now, without the RNLI there in the background, that's not the kind of activity that 
I would dare undertake. And even with my own boat support team or whatever, I think it wouldn't be something I'd feel confident or comfortable with because the RNLI and, and, and all the organisations that partner with the RNLI in an emergency make it possible for us to enjoy, as much as anything else, enjoy the wonderful nature that we have and sea life that we have around the British Isles. And to me, that feels like, I wouldn't call myself a mermaid, but I'm not far off. And that I feel much more comfortable in water than I do on land. So it's lovely to know that there's somebody there taking care of that. Hello, it's Mark Pusey here. I'm crew at Chiswick on the Thames. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org slash 200 voices, or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.